welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. Today, I interview Eleanor McLeod from Swansea in Wales, who is an actor, poet, writer, teacher, examiner, and festival adjudicator about her career supporting particularly children, but adults too, to enjoy the rich variety of performing in English and indeed the Welsh language. Eleanor also talks about her work as an adjudicator, working all around the world at festivals celebrating the spoken word. And she talks around how they too have moved online, particularly a recent festival held via Hong Kong. I discuss Eleanor's work as an examiner with Lambda, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, where I was formerly head of examinations, and discuss with Eleanor the fact that Lambda has now successfully transitioned its work online so that students can perform what are now called remote online assessments to demonstrate their competence for qualifications. Eleanor talks around the books that she's produced and gives examples of her work. Finally, Eleanor recites a poem in Welsh so I can share with you the beautiful melody of the Welsh language, uh, Eleanor's first language, which is tremendously rich and powerful in its prosody and rhythms. Eleanor reads some of her famous poems, including Ballet Lessons, perhaps one of her earlier works, which is still performed today by many students doing Lambda examinations. Hello, Eleanor. It's uh, brilliant to see you. How are you and um, how are you keeping? Good. I'm fine. Thank you, John. It's lovely to see you again, too. Okay. Now we're recording this over Zoom, of course, so we're on a video to video call, but we're only going to go on audio for the podcast. Um, You've been using Zoom quite a bit, I believe, with your examining work for Lambda. Can you say something about the difference that you've experienced with examining um, online at a distance? I believe you've been examining virtually in Sri Lanka today. Is that right? I have, yes. I've been all around the world. You know, I say to people, friends of mine, well, I've been to this week, I've been to Beijing, I've been to France, I've been to South Africa, and um, this morning I was in Sri Lanka. And they look at me in amazement. But of course, it's all via the um, remote online assessments, as they're called officially. But I have to say, Lambda have done a fantastic job in bringing this medium to life effectively, because otherwise, you know, the students wouldn't be able to take their exams, and that would be a tragedy. So um, they're, they're safeguarding procedures, the, you know, the way they've organized the examining is absolutely fantastic. And I was obviously a bit apprehensive at first because I'm a bit of a technophobe, but it's been one of the skills I've learned over lockdown, how to communicate online. And it's been an absolute joy you know, it's working very, very well. It's not uh, the same as being in the same room as them, but, you know, it's in the moment. You can chat to them and, uh, you know, have a conversation with them as you would do normally. So I, it's working very well indeed, and I'm very happy doing it. 
That's fantastic. I said something in my introduction earlier about Lambda and the examining process, but I jumped rather ahead in introducing you. You and I have spent many a happy weekend in London at London we Public, have, as it's John, called. Yes, um, yes. Guarding the gate, making sure that people get in very nicely into the room and give of their best when they enter the examining room. Can yes. you say how long you've been an examiner for Lambda and what it's I've meant to you? I've been an examiner for 28 years. So I've seen lots of changes. But, you know, before that, um, I took Lambda exams myself. I mean, when I was a small child, my parents gave me the opportunity to do anything creative. And they sent me to piano lessons. I hated them. They then sent me to ballet lessons. And, you know, I wrote a poem which... Lambda put in their last syllabus, which expressed what I felt about ballet, which was, they've sent me to ballet. Yes, honestly, me, with two left feet and a graze on my knee. They've given me pink shoes, all satin and smooth. I'd prefer trainers, but I couldn't choose. My leotard is mauve. I look like a plum. Ballet's not a good idea. And I wish I hadn't come. That's excellent. And I know so many young people. That was my response. <laughs> <laughs> many to, young people to chose ballet. to read that. Yes. Excellent yes. piece. And but it can still then, be chosen, yeah? Yes, it can still be chosen, yes. Um, but then they sent me to what was called in those days elocution lessons. And it changed my life because. I had to learn poems. I was given a different poem by my teacher every week. I had to learn the poems and I had to perform the poems, which was an absolute joy. And so I went on to take my Lambda exams and then I eventually did my Lambda diploma and I took up Lambda teaching, which I'm still doing some <coughs> 50 odd years on and um, well as I say it's been such an important part of my life to um, share poetry and drama with with children and you know I went to um, a school a very prestigious um, independent school in the west country some years ago and I had been a primary school teacher originally because my parents, being very sensible, didn't want me to be an actress because they said it was an unstable profession. So they made me train as a teacher, which I thank them for now greatly. And so I trained as a primary teacher. But I always made sure that um, my children in my class were fed poetry. And one in this one school, the Lambda teacher came up to me rather agitated and said, oh, Mrs. McLeod, the headmistress would like to speak to you. And I thought, oh my goodness, have I done something wrong? Am I going to be hauled over the coals? And I walked into her office and there was this very elegant lady sitting there and she said to me, good afternoon, Mrs. McLeod. You don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, 
I'm sorry, I don't. And she suddenly started to recite a poem that I had written, must be 30 years ago. And she said, now you remember me, don't you, Oakley House School, Swansea? You taught me there and you taught me that poem and I've never forgotten it. Wow. And so um, it's wonderful because I still get messages or I meet some of my ex-students, you know, who are parents themselves now and they say, we loved the poems, Mrs. McLeod. We mm. loved the poems. Yes, I remember. So I, I think it's very important that children have this experience. And I remember another story. Um, one afternoon, I used to say to the class, I had a year four class of girls. And I used to say to them very often at the end of an afternoon, particularly at the end of the week, put your work away, girls, come and gather around and I'll read you some poems. And on this occasion, it was Burns Night. And I said, right, I'm going to introduce you now today to a poet called Robert Burns. And I was sitting on my desk and I had this little gathering of girls around me, all attentive. And I started off, you know, we sleek, timorous, cowering beastie. Oh, what a panic's in the breastie. And I was aware of someone standing at the door and I got to the end of the poem and it the headmistress's voice rang out and she said, ah, Mrs. McLeod, I see Jean Brodie lives. And she turned around and walked off. I remember- but, So um, we loved the poetry, we loved it. Yep. Do you remember in uh, London, we actually had a, a young girl come to perform one of your poems. And then I said to her parents, you do know that the author of this poem that your daughter's doing at the moment is actually here in the building and uh, you were supporting students that day, not examining. Um, so we arranged, if you remember, for you to meet her. And she was amazed that here was the lady whose poem she was reading. And yes. uh, I think she performed it yes. in front of you, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yes, yes. In fact, in fact I think you might have been examining that day, but it was separately. It was done. And we had to make sure that they knew it wasn't under exam conditions. That's fine. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, So what do you think it is that children gain themselves from reading and maybe even writing poetry? I think it's the way that language is used. Um, I mean, I'm um, very keen on rhythms and rhymes. I know oh, some of the modern poets for children don't use them and they perhaps are a bit scornful of people who write traditional poetry. But my poetry is um, very traditional. And I just think children love the rhythms of verse and the use of words and rhyme and that sort of, um, that sort of patterning, you know. And um, if I may, I mean, I'll read you one which I which I like very much from my first book of poems. Please do. Because I think it will it will um, demonstrate both of those things, rhythm and rhyme and the use of words. And it's called The Queen of Ice. I am the queen 
of ice. And oh, in a trice I'll show how special I can be. Now watch the queen of ice with frosty call entice to fall each leaf from summer tree. I am the queen of ice. I'll go with feet of snow and sleet to freeze the lake and pond. I am the queen of ice. My fingers hold in vice so cold, all here and all beyond. I am the queen of ice, my bold device to hold the earth within my spell. So heed the queen of ice, this chill, my price, my will to rule the winter well. Beautiful. When was that written then, Eleanor? What oh, year? that was written a very long time ago because when I was a primary teacher, the other members of staff used to say to me, oh, Eleanor, will you write us a poem for the class to do for Christmas, for Easter, for harvest? And so I started to write a very long time ago and I kept them all. And um, then, oh, I don't know, about 12 when was this? I can't remember when this was actually, um, my first book was um, published. Um, oh, I, yes, 2005, mm -hmm. 2005. So um, at that point, one of my colleagues who, who had talked with me for a while said, you know, you should publish these poems because teachers would love them and children would love them. So that's when I published the first book, which I called Poems for Children to Enjoy and Teachers Too. Um, and um, then it was a great success. And, and then a few years later, I published the second book. And now during lockdown, I've been writing more. And so I've got enough for another book now. So I hope I can get that published soon. Excellent, yes. And you've been sharing these uh you've been reciting them on Facebook haven't you and that, that's been very popular I believe. Well yes during lockdown the first lockdown um, some of my friends who had grandchildren or you know some families I knew that had small children would say to me oh why don't you um, do some podcasts well I didn't know how to do a podcast so I thought I know what I'll do I'll record myself for Facebook and um, so I started to do that and I actually did it for, I think it was 85 days and I would do about three poems a day. So by the end, I was beginning to run, well, halfway through, I was beginning to run out of poems. So I started writing more and um, I kept it up for about 85 days. And uh, I do it occasionally now if I've got something to say or share, but... Um, Yes, it was a great, a great uh, thrill for me. And I had children respond and, you know, write their own poems and tell me what they'd liked about it from all over the world. I had children contacting me from Australia, from Singapore, from the Philippines. It was lovely. It was lovely. It just shows you if you're creative and flexible and adaptable, um, you mm. can make the most of even a very difficult situation, the coronavirus lockdowns that we're in now you know you've really made the most of it 
didn't you say that some children suggest things that they'd like you to write about? Yes, they do. Um, and when after I published the first book, um, I went around schools and um, I would read some of my poems to the children. And then I would um, say to them, you know, what which poem did you like the best? Or if I write another book, what poems would you like me to um, to write about? And so in my second book, um, I've got a a selection of um, poems, which is called Poems You've Asked Me to Write. So um, I, I did take their ideas on board, but you know, I, I pinched ideas from children quite a lot. And um, I'd always remembered, I was asking children to write because I used to go around and do sort of creative writing classes after I'd stop being a full-time teacher and they'd ask me back to schools to to do creative writing classes with the children and I always remember a poem that somebody wrote to me about the world being auctioned off um, uh, you know it, as a lot in an auction and this really stayed with me for an awfully long time and so eventually I used the idea uh, which she'd come up with um, and I wrote my own version of it and it's called A Second Hand World. What am I bid for a second hand world? Tattered round the edges. It's lost some rainforests here and there we're left with a couple of hedges. It did have a fancy cap of ice, but it melted just like a dream. Occasionally it rumbles and blows and sometimes cracks at the seams. Some of it's rich and some of it's poor. It can spew out gas and oil or yield no crops for years and years in parched and arid soil. Its inhabitants scatter their waste. There's a poisoned stream or two. The air is heavy with industry. So you see what we've got to do. We've got to find someone to bid for it. Despite the holes in its sky, what is it worth? Do you want it? Or should we just leave it to die? Going? Going? That's very clever. Very good. So you take yes, your so inspiration. That was an idea from a, a young writer. Yeah. And um, I, I stole it. And built on those themes. Well, I remember doing creative writing when I was a child and you were given a theme and you had to write to it. So obviously, I'm sure some of the people marking those were borrowing ideas from children, but um, that's always gone yes. on. Um, what about other writing? You do stories as well, short stories. Is that right, Eleanor? Um, I, I write short stories uh, and I've now got a book in preparation called Stories for My Granddaughter because in 2019 I became a grandmother and um, my little granddaughter Edie now loves books and stories and I record because they live in England and I can't see them. So I record a little story for her every week. 
and send it across to them. And my son said to me this week, well, he said, after she'd watched Granny's story this week and I turned the recording off, she said, more. So she's obviously, I've got one fan at least. So my new book is called Stories for My Granddaughter. And um, I've written that. And perhaps the most successful of my books have been my books of monologues and duologues for young performers, because I'm also a performer. And um, teachers kept saying to me when I was examining and adjudicating, um, can you provide us with any, you know, ideas for scenes that the children can do that are accessible for young performers? So I thought, okay, I'll write some. So um, I wrote some scenes based on fairy tale characters, but they were um, in often in modern situations, you know, and quite funny. And they've been hugely successful and. Again, Lambda have been immensely supportive because they've used my poems and they've used my drama scenes in the Lambda anthologies. So I see them very often. That's fantastic. And what about adults? Do you write anything which um, can be... I saw your Valentine's piece, which was superb, um, based on a Shakespeare sonnet. But do you write anything else particularly with adults in mind? Um, not a lot. I mean, I do, uh, I am asked to perform and I have a friend who performs with me and we compile um, evenings of entertainment on themes, but using other people's writing mostly. Um, and um, I, we have, I belong to the local theatre group, the Swansea Little Theatre. And we have been immensely active in lockdown because they started off by um, wanting to put something on Facebook that involved the members because we couldn't go into the theater, we couldn't act on the stage. Uh, and we did um, uh, something based on all the world's a stage. And, and for each of the ages, we had somebody perform a little bit of Shakespeare of a character of that age group. And that was, we were, pre-recorded that and we put that out on Facebook and then I put together a program called Stage Write, W-R-I-T-E, which was all about actors' letters through the centuries and we had different people from the theatre read different letters, uh, which was again, you know, a lovely sort of um, compilation and very, very entertaining and they've done other things. We've got people who write very good plays so we've done short plays um and um it's just been very exciting very exhilarating to keep going and do something creative throughout lockdown again that's keeping the theater going isn't it in a time when mm. it's very difficult very challenging i did yes. rather skip over your acting career eleanor so is there anything you'd like to tell us about did you follow your <laughs> mother's advice and all your parents advice and not go on the well, stage it seems like you did actually well you, you went um, against all them. through my teens i was very um, into theater and acting because we formed a group of like-minded chums formed the swansea youth theater 
and we we did some excellent productions I have to say and um because I was a leading light in it I cast myself in all the best roles like Juliet um and um we did a lot of, of productions. I joined the Swansea Little Theatre, which I'm still a member, and they introduced me to, to Shakespeare. My first role with them, I was 15, I think, and I played Hermia in A Midsummer Night's Dream and absolutely loved it. It was magic. It was everything people had told me theatre would be, you know. And uh, as I say, I went on working with them um, and then I did this teaching course and I did teach initially for a few years. And then the uh, director of the local uh, repertory company in the Grand Theatre in Swansea, they had a magnificent repertory company. We did 25 weeks a year of repertory, initially weekly and then fortnightly. Um, and he came to me one day and he said, Eleanor, I'm doing the Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. Will you come and play one of the schoolgirls? And he said, I'll give you your equity card. So that was it. I left the classroom and I went into theatre for several years and, and was very lucky. I, you know, I, I was a jobbing actress, but I was very rarely out of work. And then when my son was born and he was of school going age, I had to be sensible and say well I've got to stay home now I can't go gallivanting around the country living out of a suitcase with a small child so I went back to teaching but I was glad I had that and you know people very often parents say to me you know oh what's your advice because my child is desperate to act and I have two pieces of advice for them really one is they have to do it at some point because you should never live with regret that you didn't try something out, but always have something up your sleeve that you can fall back on because acting is so precarious. And if you have another skill or another qualification, you can always use that to be a backup. You know, those are the two pieces of advice I give. I don't say, oh, don't do it. It's, you know, <laughs> it's very precarious living because it is a precarious living we know that but you have to do it if it's in your blood and you're passionate to act do it another um activity you engage in very actively is adjudicating at festivals yes could yes. you say something about the festivals but also point out for us the difference between examining or assessing and adjudicating the differences that there are there well, um, adjudicating, I, I love adjudicating because you do it um, in front of an audience. You know, you might have got, say, 20 children doing poems for you in a class and all their mums and dads and grannies and aunties and uncles are there. So you have to stand up at the end of a class and you have to adjudicate. And so the performer in you comes out. So that's what I love about adjudicating, that not only are you using your skills as an assessor and your knowledge of literature, and you're helping these children to progress and develop their skills, 
but you get this element of performance and you know you've got the audience in the palm of your hand and you can make them laugh and you can you know surprise them and um i i love that element of it as well but i've just done um and I'm sure Priscilla mentioned this when she was talking to you, the Hong Kong Festival, which we had to do online this year because we couldn't obviously travel to Hong Kong and it's a huge festival. But they had pre-recorded all the performances, so we had to sit at home and um, mark them and write a comment on them. But it was it was fine because the children were lovely, but you just didn't have that element of interaction with them. And that's what was very sad, really. Yes, you missed the live engagement. But that, mm. again, is, is an activity yes. that's taken you all around the world, hasn't it? It has. Yes. I mean, my acting took me all around the world because I used to do British Council tours and we did 19 different countries in Africa. We went to India, to Sri Lanka, to the Maldives, um, and um, we did Shakespeare. Sometimes, most of the time, just two of us. Mm -hmm. And there's another book in me there somewhere, I think, at some point. All the um, escapades yes, the and experiences we had, yes. Yes, I'm resisting sharing mine because I think some of them are a bit too indelicate <laughs> to, uh, to have online. But... Um, Let's bring you home. Let's bring you back to Wales um, and the fact that one of the purposes of my podcast is to share with my learners different accents. And while yours is a Welsh accent, it's at the moment quite slight. But and I want you to speak later in Welsh. You're going to read as a poem in Welsh mm -hmm. because I've told people how beautiful, how melodic, how um, you know rhythmical and how rich the Welsh accent and the Welsh language is. So I'm looking forward to that later that you might share with us um, well of course i come from um, i come from swansea uh -huh. where which is the birthplace of dylan thomas who i believe is one of the greatest of the 20th century poets writing in english and living in swansea and growing up in swansea you cannot escape dylan thomas um and so again in my teenage years i discovered his poetry and his prose writing, of course, which is wonderful, and Under Milk Wood, which I have performed, I think, more than 200 times. Um, and um, his poetry influenced me hugely because he, his use of words, I mean, people said he had verbal diarrhea, but his use of language is quite extraordinary. And his advice to people who were reading his poetry was one phrase, love the words. That's all he said. You know, when people said, what's it all about? What, what? He just said, love the words. And I do, I love his words. And is that what then constitutes a good performance, whether it's an examination context or mm -hmm. a, an adjudication environment that yes. somebody who really has understood, takes the time to caress, yes. massage, work with, Yes. the language, the words, is going yes. to come across as committed to sharing a, a piece. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, words are coloured. I, I often say when I'm adjudicating, you know, your voice is like a paint box and you've got all kinds of tones and tints in your voice and you can paint a beautiful picture with words 
using your voice. But of course, you've got to have the words to paint with. So, um, you know, if a poet writes beautiful imagery, then boy, you can have a wonderful time delivering it. Okay, and that may be the subject of a later podcast, actually get people reading uh, poems from other, mm. uh, I'm not saying mm. established authors, but other authors like Dylan Thomas, um, with the real accent in which it was written. Um, could you share us a couple more of your poems, please, Alan? And then well, of course, with, it's uh, coming up. It's a, yes, it's a very Welsh weekend because, of course, the Welsh rugby team are playing England tomorrow. I knew you'd which, mentioned that. Which um, is, <laughs> I know you're a football fan, John, but as you know, I'm a huge rugby fan, and. Um, we're playing England tomorrow, and that is always the old enemy. You know, we we have a joke that says the Welsh don't mind who beats England as long as somebody does, and um, we always hope it's us. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then Monday, of course, is St David's Day, March the first. So um, we will be celebrating. We we usually have the Eisteddfod, and again. If you grow up in Wales with the Eisteddfod tradition, and Eisteddfod is a concert for performers, for singers, for musicians, for dancers, and for speakers, uh, and for writers, because the National Eisteddfod has a crown and a chair for the bards who've written the best pieces of work. Um, but if you've grown up in Wales, with an Eisteddfod tradition, because most schools, certainly in my day, used to have an Eisteddfod, and you entered the various performance classes, um, then you can't get away from, from poetry and, and it becomes you know, an inherent part of you and your Welshness. Um, so this is a poem I've written called St. David's Day. March winds. Behind the racing clouds, one glistening shaft of sun. Still pale, uncertain yet that spring might have begun. March magic now brings back the flowers, where dull and brown the earth, the daffodil's warm gold heralds a bright rebirth. March the first a day for Wales to smile, when pride and joy abound, and Heeraith echoes still the rugged hills around. March music, joyous as daffodils, and bright as spring sunshine. Songs in the lilting voice of a language old as time. Thank you very much, Alana. And could you, if possible, please share us a poem in Welsh, which, of course, we'll need to give some kind of uh, summary in English, but a short piece of Welsh for people well, to appreciate the prosody. Now, you've caught me on the hop here, John, because um, I haven't got copies of any, but I have one which I had, had learnt, but old age um, affects the memory, as you know, but I'll, I'll give it a try and see how much I can manage. Um, it's the story of um, 
the, the village of Cantrerguailod, which was on the, um, the west coast, Cardigan Bay part of Wales, you know. And um, one day, um, the watchman on the tower, who was supposed to be looking after the, the castle and the town and so on, fell asleep and um, a great storm blew up and the whole of the village of Cantrell was swallowed up by the sea. And they still say that um, on a very still day, if you're walking along the Cardigan coast, you sometimes hear the bells of Cantrell chiming underneath the water. But if it's a very stormy day, you don't hear that. So I'll try. I can't guarantee I'll get all the way through it, but I'll give it a go. O dan amor i donai, mae llawer dinast los, fin grandor a clychau yn canu gyda'r nos. Troi ofer esgailistod y gwiliwr ar y tŵr, aeth clychau cantref gwaelod, yw clywed dan y dŵr. Pan fod o'r môr heb awel, ar don heb ewyn gwyn. Mae'n odau per yn dyfod, gwna naethaf siŵr, bod clychau cantref gwaelod yn canu dan y dŵr. O cennwch glych am y byd ar gwaelod llaeth y llu, dawariau bore bywyd yn sŵn y gân i mi. Hi fedd mi gofiar tywod ar lawer nos ddi stŵr a chlychau cantre'r gwaelod yn canu dan y dŵr. Diolch yn fawr. Chlychau is bells, the bells of cantre'r gwaelod, and canu is sing, so you can hear them sing under the water. But that prosody and that rhythm, that beautiful rhythmical kind of um, music, almost lyrical sense mm. of the language comes mm. through. Um, beautiful. And Eleanor, thank you very much indeed for sharing with us all of your work, uh, your writing, your examining. Um, I'll make it clear that people can still get your books on Amazon and I believe Waterstones as well. Online. Waterstones, yes. Yes, if not, you can always... They can contact you and you can contact me and I can send them some copies. We can sort it out, but I'll put the links up uh, with the podcast. So uh, thank you very much, which in Welsh is Jochen Vaur. No, it's not. Jochen Vaur. That's okay. Indeed, That's good. Yes. Thank you very much. And uh, take care and stay safe, Eleanor. Thank you very much. Thank indeed. you. You too, John. Very nice to see you again. Take care. Bye-bye.